You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, episode 66. Things are going pretty good for President Nixon in the election of 1972. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. So, Ben, it's looking like Richard Nixon is doing his job things are going pretty well for him at this point yeah he's uh he's pretty popular the people are enjoying the things he's doing he said he'd do a bunch of stuff guess what he's doing it so um it comes as no surprise that he's still ridiculously popular when we get to 1972 election so there were more than just the republicans involved in this election (laughs) so how about we just dive right in and talk about the Democrats? All right. Yeah, the Democrats. Um, well, we've got this kind of lineage of Democrats, the Kennedys, coming here. And pretty much everybody thinks that Ted Kennedy, who happened at that time to be the majority whip for the Senate, everybody pretty much thinks, yeah, Ted Kennedy is going to get it. Um, we remember JFK. We remember what happened to RFK. Let's bring Ted Kennedy in. And he's like, no, I'm not going to run. Yeah, because his reputation was a little tainted by a certain incident that had happened in July of 1969. He was in a car accident, and his passenger, Mary Jo Kopechny, was killed. And he left the scene of the ac- of the accident. So um, probably the reason you'll never hear of Ted Kennedy running for president and ever getting in office. So spoiler alert there for Ted Kennedy, but um, you can't do that. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't bode well for the nation or it doesn't bode well for your reputation. Um, Although certainly he had his fans uh, throughout, throughout the rest of his life. So the, uh, the next guy up for the nomination, Ed Muskie, he's actually the guy that they had in 68 as the vice presidential nominee. And Well, it didn't go so well for him either. Yeah, bummer, dude. (laughs) He had this letter, uh, the so-called Canuck letter, which uh, the Manchester, New Hampshire um, newspaper, the union leader, uh, they published it. And it was a forgery from Nixon's little group, (laughs) from Nixon's Dirty Tricks unit. that actually claimed that Muskie made disparaging remarks about French Canadians. And that's not cool, especially when you're trying to win New Hampshire. Yeah. So, sorry, Muskie, you're out. And then the paper publishes this 
attack on Muskie's wife, Jane. Um, they talk about how she drank and used off-color language during the campaign. And, you know, nobody, no, no good man is going to stand for somebody picking on his wife. So he actually gets up, makes an emotional defense of his wife. Uh, he's outside the newspaper's offices. There's a snowstorm, which is important. Uh, and <laughs> Muskie states, you know, he, he he's stating, don't, please don't bring my wife into this. This is not, you know, this is not appropriate. And well, a lot of the press later reports that he's crying. He's breaking down and crying, crying. And the, the reason a lot of people like him is because he's really calm and reasoned. And so they make this big deal. Oh, he, he was crying, um, which I mean, come on, he's a, you're attacking his wife. If he is crying, that's cool. But he comes out and says, no, you remember it was snowing. Those were actually just melted snowflakes on my face. And so then he's he's kind of his he's done for because of some it tears or snow or whatever. Snowflakes. <laughs> so many snowflakes falling from my eyes. Hey, I think I just made my iTunes musical debut. I think so. And lost half of our audience in the process. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Muskie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Ben. So Around 1970, the senator from, or one of the senators from South Dakota, George McGovern, Mm -hmm. he's like, I am going to run for president. I'm anti-war. I'm progressive. I'm altogether awesome. I'm going to get a bunch of people to join me in this grassroots movement, and I'm going to take the Democratic nomination by storm. So just know that. That George McGovern, he's like, this is going to be my thing. It's going to be our thing. It's going to be awesome. Also of note, we had uh, New York Representative Shirley Chisholm, who announces she'll run for president. She is the first African-American woman who ran for the presidency as either one of the the major parties, so Democrat or Republican. We had some, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, socialists in the past, uh, Socialist Party. Uh, ran, but this is the first in a major party. And then there was a representative from Hawaii named Patsy Mink, and she is the first Asian American to run for the Democratic presidential nomination. So uh, pretty cool stuff there, groundbreaking new things, but neither one of them got real far. Yeah. So back to McGovern. He wins Massachusetts, at least the primary, in April And two days later, Robert Novak, you know, the journalist. It's really cool, Ben, because we're actually entering a season where these journalists are like, we know them. So he quotes, actually, it's Thomas Eagleton as saying, the people don't know McGovern is for amnesty, abortion, and legalization of pot. Once Middle America, a Catholic Middle America in particular, finds this out, he's dead. So just remember that because McGovern becomes known as the candidate of, quote, amnesty, abortion, and acid. And it's not really a title you want to you want to be given. Uh, if, if you decide to make it your title, sure. But right. So uh, Hubert Humphrey actually uses that in the Nebraska primary to really go after McGovern. But. The McGovern train has been going for a couple of years now, and it's looking pretty good for him. 
Hey, Ben, you want to rehash old, painful things? (laughs) Yes, I would love to. Thank you for the the opportunity, Jason. (laughs) So, uh, Governor George Wallace from Alabama, remember him? I do. The guy who was uh, an anti-integrationist, pretty much was all about keeping everything disintegrated. Yeah. Would you rather be called an anti-integrationist or a segregationist i think or desegregationist or anti-desegregation it's just too confusing for me let's explain that let's just let's remember that i don't want to be called any of those things that have to do with anti-integration but if i was that and i wanted to be called something it would be disintegrationist because it sounds a lot like disintegration and that i think that would be cool but i don't respect the, the viewpoint so Right. So he actually had a snowball's chance. Oh, man, I got the snowball thing going on in my mind and I can't get it out. (laughs) He has a snowball's chance, right? And especially after he was shot in an assassination attempt on May 18th. He was struck by five bullets and was paralyzed from the waist down. Yeah, he still won a couple primaries the next day. I'm not you know, whether it was for um, people feeling bad and wanting to and didn't know how things were going to turn out or whether it was just because they didn't know what had happened. Uh, basically, the, the camp campaign was ended, though. Um, he, he couldn't continue or he probably could have continued, but he knew he shouldn't continue just because he was um, paralyzed at that point and, and obviously going to be undergoing a lot of different changes in his life. Right. So what we need to know is... McGovern pulls off the nomination. He wins primaries all over the place because he's got all this grassroots support. And he actually leads a commission to redesign the Democratic nomination system. And this is important, especially right now. We're recording this here at the beginning of March of an election year, and we are in the heat of primary season actually super tuesday is today right right so this is pretty uh foundational to how things are done now where you have democratic primaries all over the place and pretty much know who the nominee is going to be by the time the convention rolls around so mcgovern has uh, a thing called the McGovern Commission. And this commission says that the Democratic primary should determine the winner of the nomination. And this has been the case to this day. Yeah, I think either, well, I guess it wasn't this election. It must have been the next election uh, was the last election where they didn't know going into the convention who the nominee was going to be. So, yeah, he was kind of integral in that. But, and by kind of, I mean, definitely. Yeah. That was very confident that you sounded. Yeah, thank you. Hey, should we go ahead and talk about um, about the Republicans, or uh, actually, let's talk about the vice presidency for the Democrat side, real quick. Yeah, so this is pretty crazy, and I don't know if this would happen in today's uh, culture, but McGovern selects Senator Thomas Eagleton to be his running mate, and. McGovern is all about Eagleton. He's like, I'm going to stick by this guy. He's awesome. And after the convention ends, it's discovered that Eagleton had undergone psychiatric electric shock therapy for depression. Wasn't Eagleton the name of the the town in Parks and Rec? 
Yeah, and I can't get it yeah. out of my mind. I know. Sorry about that, everybody. Uh, <laughs> the the uh, Time Magazine actually took a poll of everyone and said, oh, well, there's 77% of people who said that Eagleton's medical history and his records wouldn't affect their vote. And um, that's great and all. But then the press, like, you know, like they sometimes do, keeps bringing up the shock therapy and the electroshock and the depression. And McGovern is like, okay, so is this going to just, is this going to be my life now? People don't care what I have to say. They don't care about my politics. They don't care about anything. All they want to know is what I did to help me with depression. Yeah. So three days later, Eagleton's like, okay, I'm, I'm stepping aside. This is, this is not going to be cool for McGovern or the Democrats. So three days later, McGovern is like, okay, who in the world am I going to select as my running mate? He's like, okay, there's Ted Kennedy, there's Muskie, there's Humphrey, and there's a few other guys. And everybody is like, no. <laughs> so, yeah, because McGovern had, like, he had told everybody, okay, cool, Eagleton, I'm going to back him a thousand percent. And then, even after this poll comes out, this is 77% of people wouldn't let it affect their vote. And then like three days later, he says, nah, could you actually step out? And McGovern's like, or Eagleton's like, yeah, no problem. That's fine. But everybody else is like, dude, why, why did you do that? Like you said, you were going to stand by him. Yeah. Don't throw your friend under a bus. I mean, or in front of a bus in front of, yeah. Yeah. So everybody's like, you know, uh, McGovern, I hate you, <laughs> except Sergeant Shriver, who is John F. Kennedy's brother-in-law. Yeah, and he is um, he's the former ambassador to France. He is the former director of the Peace Corps. And the Democratic National Committee gets together a special session and, um, you know, they say, yeah, OK, that's fine. Shriver can be your VP running mate but it probably won't matter because your ratings have dropped from 41 to 24 percent congrats yeah you suck yeah that's basically what they I mean, were that's what me. people are saying it's not us no no i didn't know the guy right yeah so the republicans it's almost about- like it's almost like not worth talking about them isn't it <laughs> i know it's just kind of like ah uh, but yeah. you know what it gets interesting with the republicans sure yeah Nixon is the uh, is the popular president, like we said earlier. He is pretty much well. He's pretty much responsible for doing everything big that happened, or at least seen as responsible as doing everything big that happened in the early seventies and, and late sixties. Um, he's going into the Republican primary. He's got a really strong lead, but there's a couple guys who are standing up against him. Everything that's going right it includes opening up China. I mean that was ginormous that Uh you would have the United States, a a president from the United States actually uh, opening up relations with the Chinese and then talking to the Soviets, you know, they've got their weapons pointed at us. We've got our weapons pointed at them. There's all this stuff going on. And Nixon is just, he's like, Hey, Let's talk. (laughs) And so uh, McCloskey, uh, Pete McCloskey, he was more of a liberal uh, Republican uh, from California. And John Ashbrook, who was a conservative from Ohio, they're like, hmm, 
Uh, I don't know about this Nixon guy. He he might be a crook. Was that foreshadowing? Just shat. Just shadowing. <laughs> just, just, yeah. just kind of saying there. So McCloskey runs in the New Hampshire primary. He gets uh, just a little bit less than 20% of the vote. Nixon gets almost 68%. And then uh, a dude named Ashbrook gets about 10%. So Nixon pretty much is wiping everybody, wiping the floor with everybody. He gets an astounding... 1,323 delegates out of 1,324 to the Republican National Convention. And uh, McCloskey gets the one delegate from New Mexico who was like, I'm not going to bow to your will, people. I'm going to vote for McCloskey. (laughs) Fight the power, (laughs) even if it's only one delegate. Yeah. So, Ben. Yep. It would be really awkward, wouldn't it, to hate your vice president? Well, Jason, I was actually thinking that maybe uh, maybe we'd replace you as the co-host of Election College. Like, you Crap. Know. Yeah. So, but the people seem to like you, so we might as well keep you. That's kind of that's kind of like what this nomination <laughs> was. <laughs> Please, everybody, don't make a comment saying yes. <laughs> Except, I mean, I, I'm not president. You're not vice president. But you know, it's kind. Of, other than that, it's the same kind of parallel. <laughs> right. So, old Spiro Agnew is he's not. Nixon's favorite guy. And you could do a whole lot of reading about this relationship or that <laughs> a lack of lack of, yeah. Because basically Agnew was uh totally marginalized <laughs> by Nixon. He was he's like, uh, you can show up to a cabinet meeting here and um you can maybe make an appearance there, but other than that, I don't want you to have any say. In what my administration does, I hate you. It's kind of funny because I, I wonder, like, I'm, I'm going to foreshadow here a little bit, or not even foreshadow, spoiler alert for the future. I wonder if Nixon had known how big of a crook uh, Agnew was and Agnew had known how big of a crook Nixon was or wasn't, whatever. Uh, I, w- I wonder right. if they would have gotten along better. <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> hey, we're both kind of shady. Yeah. Um. Darkness loves darkness, or I suppose we're not doing good with the analogies today, or the uh, I don't know. And you I can't just even come up with another word. Said well, and <laughs> so uh, thankfully, none of our listeners are grammar Nazis and are going to come after us. Not yet. Now they will. So Richard Nixon gets the nomination, and Spiro Agnew gets renominated, and um, basically they didn't even vote on on Agnew; that he just was. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, a little bit of on Seinfeld when Kramer just started showing up for that job. And they're like, I don't know what to say, Uh but um, you never were employed by us. Although Agnew was employed by them, but it's kind of like, just don't say anything. Leave us alone. (laughs) So you've got some people in the party saying, hey, you really should have Rockefeller, Nelson Rockefeller, that is, as your running mate. And interestingly enough, Nixon liked John Connolly. And you remember John Connolly. He was the governor of Texas. He was the guy in the car with John F. Kennedy when he was assassinated. Connolly left the Democrats a few years prior to this election and actually became a Republican. So it's a little fun fact that you can 
stick in your pipe and smoke. But Agnew, he's the guy. Yep. Hey, you want to talk about the uh, the whole campaign thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, McGovern, you remember he is anti-war, and so he's talking about ending the Vietnam War, uh, which people like. People didn't like the Vietnam War uh, as a whole, at least. And he's also talking about how the poor need more money and talking about doing guaranteed minimum incomes, which is different, by the way, than a minimum wage. Uh, so just keep that in mind. It's a little different. And basically, people, some people really like those things about him. But all the powerful Democrats, which is kind of who he needed to impress, didn't. So, the, you know, they're like, well, your foreign policy is too extreme. And then you got the whole Eagleton guy. Uh, you, you messed that one up. So <laughs> we're not going to put a lot of money behind you. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, taking that 20 plus point hit with the whole Eagleton affair and everything, you, you just, it, it's just not going to happen. Nixon leads in the polls and he is totally aggressive on keeping tabs on his enemies and do loop do loop little foreshadowing that's my foreshadowing music i like that you like that mm-hmm. um nixon nixon liked to keep his enemies pretty close <laughs> exactly he definitely did is that, so, is that come, as far as we can go ben in this episode because i just want to leap i just want to say something yeah, I, I think it's fine to say whatever you want as long as you uh, are prepared for a flogging by all the people who didn't know that already. Okay. <laughs> Watergate. That's all. I like it. I think that I think that's clever enough of a way to say it. Uh, well, do you remember 1964 election? Do you remember that, Jason? Of course. Back when Lyndon Johnson wins the wins the vote. And he wins by a gigantic landslide. Yeah. Well, Nixon gets only slightly less than that record, that incredible, crazy landslide record, slightly less the popular vote. And he wins a majority vote in an incredible 49 states, including, this is embarrassing, McGovern's home state of South Dakota. Yeah. It is just nuts. The only place where McGovern got electoral votes were from Massachusetts and the district of Columbia. Cause and really then the district of Columbia, you're always going to just throw into the democratic nominee. I, I hate to say that your vote doesn't count if you're a Republican that lives in the district of Columbia, but let's just face it. Your Democrats yeah. are going to win Massachusetts. That's it. And this is actually the most lopsided electoral result ever. So, woohoo, Nixon. So there you have it. Nixon wins the election, gets brought in for a second term. He actually, what? so he was vice president before, right? Mm-hmm. And now he is president twice. Only Thomas Jefferson had ever done that before. So that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. just as far as a historical marker. Yeah. So, woohoo, Nixon. And everybody's feeling really good and confident and secure in their government because we look up to the guy and he's our yeah. friend. Hey, just so you guys know, right before this uh, this election happened, about five months before election day, 
I'm not going to say what happened, but there were five men who broke into the Democratic National Convention into the headquarters um, at the Watergate Hotel in Washington, D.C. And then there's an investigation and stuff, but I'm sure that's not important until next episode anyway. No, no way. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I wanted to remind everybody that we are absolutely loving all the reviews we've been getting lately. We're very appreciative of that. And it's really important to us and for future listeners of the show to, um, to see some reviews on the show. If you like what you're hearing and you want to be nice and make Jason and I feel happy inside, head on over to electioncollege.com slash review. And uh, you can review us on iTunes. That'd be great. Yeah. And we've really been enjoying uh, listening to the reviews or actually not listening, but reading the reviews uh, over the past week. Uh, we've gotten several new ones and uh, I'll just read a short one um, by 67NJ. Uh, says, awesome, smart, funny, and highly entertaining. You guys are a joy to listen to. Can't wait for more. Well, that was a joy to read that review, 67NJ. So thank you for that. And don't forget, we are on social media at Election College. And that is on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram when we feel like it. We haven't really made a big deal of it lately, but I wanted to just give a simple little reminder out to everybody that we do have an Amazon link. If you visit the Amazon link, buy the things you would normally buy at the prices you would normally pay. We'll get a little cut of it. It's electioncollege.com slash Amazon. That helps us support the show, uh, keep things running, and we appreciate everybody who visits that link regularly. But, you know, if you don't, why don't you? Go ahead. Try it. Yeah. You'll like it. Uh All right, Jason. I guess I'll see you... uh, at the Watergate Hotel. I mean, uh, next episode. Yeah, for the next episode of Election College Gate. Uh. <laughs>